This is Poured Over, a show about stories presented by the booksellers of Barnes & Noble. Hello, I'm Kat Sarfis, Forever Bookseller at Barnes & Noble. Today we are joined by the lovely Sulin Tan. Sulin is the author of the highly acclaimed and best-selling Daughter of the Moon Goddess and Heart of the Sun Warrior, the eagerly awaited sequel and stunning conclusion of the Celestial Kingdom duology. So welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. It's it's such a pleasure and, and such an honor to be here. <laughs> oh, wonderful. So it is early where I am. I am enjoying some coffee, but I know you are in Hong Kong. It is quite late. So I had read somewhere that you had a little bit of a bubble tea obsession. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's but, in my bio on every book. Yes. <laughs> I should have thought about that better. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's out there now. So uh, I was just going to ask you how, how you were enjoying your evening. Well, sadly, no bubble tea <laughs> because, you know, like it'll keep me up for half the night. <laughs> but <laughs> I say bubble tea for the special occasions, like really hard deadline. No idea what to do. <laughs> Is that like your treat? Then, like out hunting? <laughs> yes, very much. <laughs> I don't want to know what goes into the bubble tea. You know, I just want to drink it. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever it is, it's the magical elixir. Yeah. It's it's that that's what Very it is. Just <laughs> normal chamomile tea right now, you know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not surprised. Um, Daughter of the Moon Goddess became quite a, a darling on the sort of book talk, bookstagram, wh- whatever your platform. A sweeping adventure of immortals and magic. There's lush world building, a strong female protagonist, uh, vivid characters. The tale of love and sacrifice and honor. It's it's the epitome of a must-read fantasy epic. There's a lot of fire and passion fandom out there. So I just want to know what that experience has been like for you, particularly around because um, so for, for Daughter of the Moon Goddess, that was your that was your debut. Yes. The book means a lot to me. It's um, you know, writing it was very emotional and everything. It's based on a legend that I've always loved and one that is really important to me as well. Um, but what was interesting was during my debut was January and um, where I was, the COVID situation was not yeah. so good. So couldn't travel anywhere. Um, most things were shut and uh, it was very quiet. You couldn't congregate even, right? But social media can be challenging in some ways. Yes. <laughs> but, you know, it was it was really wonderful in the sense that because of it, I actually felt very more connected to the release. Mm-hmm. I mean, like the, to the booksellers and the bookstores, librarians, when they had the new releases and I saw the book there and, you know, to the readers who bought it, read it and shared about it. I mean, all this really made it come alive for me. It made me really realize that the book was actually out there, even though it was a while before I actually saw it on the shelves. And, you know, it, it, it really made it feel real. And I'm so grateful to everyone, you know, who reached out and it really meant so much to me. Writing, I mean, it's, it's been very like a personal emotional journey and it's very hard to describe how it feels seeing you know the the world and the words and the characters out in the hands of readers um currently there are a few translate editions coming out right now so it feels like debut again in a way wow. <laughs> in, different, in different languages so that's very exciting i don't think you know any book resonates with everyone but i'll say that i never imagined that it connected with some readers you know the way it did and um you know her journey, you know, what she went through. Some of the some of the readers were saying that they felt they knew her and they felt she was, you know, she was like a friend. It's been so heartwarming to read, you know, the messages that I've got 
Um, I try to read every one and I can. And I unfortunately, I do miss them because partly due to time difference as well. But, mm-hmm. you know, all of them really do mean so much to me, right? I'm more on Instagram and um, and not on TikTok yet. <laughs> but, <laughs> <That's okay. laughs> but, but I've just sent some really amazing content and you know, videos and it, it seriously just blew my mind. And I, I'm so grateful for that as well. And there's been a lot of art. I love art personally. I do have like, you know, art that I, I permission myself, but it's a lot of reader art as well, which has been absolutely amazing. And I, I've loved seeing all of it. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. The fan art, like people, I'm assuming that's what you're talking about. Fan art. Yes. Yes. So, I love yeah. that. Again, it just gets to the heart. It's just a beautiful story and so many people connected with it. And then I think when you connect with a story like this, you just want to, you want to live in that world, just immerse yourself in that experience. So that's so wonderful. I know you should not judge a book. (laughs) However, I think we need to make an exception for these. Now I have, (laughs) these are actually um, the advanced reader copies that I am, I am like holding dear. I don't keep many advanced reader copies. Um, Sometimes, you know, I, I read them and pass them on, but these, I just, I, they're just so stunning. The, both the U.S. and uh, the U.K. covers are gorgeous, as you do in your background. Oh, um, yes. <laughs> can, you, can you, so then, you know, being sort of this, a lover of art, can you describe what it was like when you saw them? I mean, they're so intricate. And then, you know, obviously when you read the story, everything sort of comes alive. What was your reaction when you, when you were, you know, opening these books, seeing these covers, seeing this whole project come to oh. life? I had an unboxing video and I think like I'm I like cried during it. It was, it was not pretty <laughs> I seriously like was not intending to cry. And then I cried and then I walked away. And then my husband said, No, you can't just leave it like that. <laughs> so you're like, I I, I can't so talk anyway. anymore. We're just gonna cry and then we're gonna end the video. I mean it was the first my first art and my first time seeing the cover. Um I mean I'm horribly biased. I love all the covers. <laughs> when I see them, my heart just swells. Um for the U.S. covers, the artist is Kuri Huang, and she is amazing. I, I adore yes. her work. She, she has this um, ability to capture these traditional elements in such a unique and fantastical flair. Mm-hmm. And to me, at least, I feel that they're, still, they're distinctly, you know, Chinese with a very, like, modern and different and, like, like a fantasy touch, right? And and I just love them. Um, and I'll say every publisher has a different process and, and I feel very fortunate that I did manage to see the artwork in some stages of development and even in the very draft form I did feel it really captured the heart and spirit of the story I felt oh, yeah. that it was very you know evocative um, romantic and also nostalgic in a way right and all the elements I mean there's so many elements there that as you said like that, that connected to the story when you read about it the mood is inspired by the title of the girl staring at the moon and the moon was gold and there's clouds and peonies because for the immortal realm, the stars in the sky, and this is something that goes across both of them, um, are for the meaning in her name. And what I really liked was um, was her her courage and her strength was reflected in how she carries herself, you know, like very, you know, with a straight back and, and, and everything. That was what the artist conveyed to me. And I thought I thought that was very lovely. And Heart of the Sun Warrior, it's it's very different. It's so fierce in a way, but you know, to me, it's like a, a perfect accompaniment to the Moon yes. Goddess. And the Sun and the Moon theme. I guess if you read the stories, I guess it it will come alive as to as to the reason of that. I think it is definitely a lot fiercer. I mean, Simeon has her bow drawn. Yep. <laughs> she is she is ready for whatever comes. Um, and it's 
I guess it will become apparent what she's aiming at. <laughs> but I think it really reflects also like where she's come. You know, she's become, you know, this brave warrior and she's not afraid to make hard decisions or to face whatever comes her way. So, yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. I can't, I, you know, it's, these are books that, you know, it's almost a shame to spine them, like to put them in your bookshelf. <laughs> like you don't want to, like they need to be, they need to be faced out. I love it. And I love, um, I love when a book, when a cover just so perfectly complements the contents uh, within. And I just thought these just, you know, stunning. So as we were, you know, talking about the covers and talking a little bit about the story. Um, so this series is inspired by the legend of Chang'e, the moon goddess in Chinese mythology. There are many variations of this tale. And I kind of went down a rabbit hole because I didn't, I had heard that there were, you know, I had heard that there were variations. Um, and after, after reading, you know, your, your retelling, what do you love about the Chang'e, uh, Chang'e legend? And what was that spark that started this journey for you? It's a story that, um, that means a lot to me. It is often retold during the Mid-Autumn Festival, mm -hmm. um, which is you know, a really important festival for us. Yes. And uh, interestingly, the, the date always changes. It's uh, on the 15th day of the eighth lunar month, so it changes every year, but it's always on the night of when the moon is supposedly at its brightest. And so it's my favorite festival growing up. I mean, I have so many, I have so many wonderful memories of that time because it's a festival where um, it's really about close family or close mm -hmm. friends. You know, people who you're close to, right? And um, I have memories about eating mooncakes and carrying lanterns in the dark and, you know, hearing the story as well. It's really a festival of love and reunion and family, all of which are key themes in the story. And I always thought about it. And they were partly because the elements were just so fascinating. You have the brave archer with, um, with the 10 flaming suns in the sky that he was tasked to shoot down because they were destroying the world. And you have his beloved wife. And you also have um, the story where he shoots them down and his wife takes the elixir and flies to the sky. And I found that ending very heartbreaking. <laughs> so, you know, it, it, was, it, it was very tragic. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was a terrible, I mean, it was, it was a betrayal. And she saw it as a betrayal. And as you said, we will go in, you know, there were many reasons or variations as to why she did it right. But I think that ending actually left me feeling unsettled. And um, I always wondered that if there was more to the story. Interestingly, the first line of Dora the Moon Goddess is the first thing that, that came to me. And it's probably the one thing, well, two things that I can remember that has not changed. And it's there, um, there are many legends about my mother. Because, mm -hmm. you know, as you said, there was a variation where he took the elixir of immortality because um, she was trying to save it from a thief. And there is one that said her husband, Ho Yi, became a tyrannical king. And um, he took it so his people wouldn't suffer under his reign. Yes. Or it could just be, you know, she wanted to become a goddess. I mean, it's very understandable. <laughs> yes, I just it was like, and then it, it, you know, makes you, and then you start thinking like, oh, this is how I, no, this is this is definitely what happened. But that, it's who knows? Like, it's just, it was just wild. I know, I know. And so I was just thinking that, you know, it would have been a very, very difficult decision. I mean, I think they were in love, deeply in love, both of them, right? Um, even after she went to the moon, it was said that she lived in a life of solitude. You know, missing mm -hmm. her husband. And so for myself, when I heard all these different variations, and then I wondered, like, um, what if there was more? So the title came along with the first line. And I was just, I just imagined that what if there was a daughter? And that was who she was protecting when she took the elixir. Not, you know, both herself and the daughter as well, right? And, and so I started thinking about, you know, it would be such a fascinating heritage in a way for a child born of, you know, Chang'e and Hogi, and how, you know, she would also have, you know, the traits of her father and be someone who would fight for her mother's freedom as well. So 
that I guess that, that was what started it. <laughs> I love In a it. very roundabout way. <laughs> yes. And I mean, I want to yes. get to, to, to characters a little bit later, but I love, I did, the, the mother-daughter relationship is just, um, it's so, it's so beautiful. And because it is, again, that, you know, just a, a reason. And to me, you know, when I, uh, you know, read this and then, you know, had gone back and had read some, you know, again, variations of the folklore and then kind of came back here. I was like, no, this is a good one. I like this. I like this. <laughs> she did this for her daughter. So you tell the story in two, two parts. So we have, the, the, you know, all, all the daughter's journey, I should say, um, in two parts. Why a duology? No spoilers. <laughs> I mean, I always imagine the story is a duology. Um, you know, Dora the Moon Goddess and Heart of the Sun Warrior, both inspired by different elements of um, the core mythology. And I was very happy that during the first call with my editor, David uh, Pomerico, we actually shared the same vision. I mean, book two was not written yet. It was just an idea in my head of, you know, certain themes that I wanted to, you know, and uh, certain continu- and the continuation of the journey and how it developed. Dora the Moon Goddess can also be read as a standalone. And... Um, some resolution is reached, but I felt a story was unfinished there. There were some unresolved ends. I'm trying to be very vague here. <laughs> Most of the realms to be explored, um, a lot of questions, because she had changed a lot in the story, and especially towards you know, the events at the end. And she is no longer who she was then. And I believe that in Heart of the Sun Warrior, it, it rounds off who she has become, putting her to the ultimate test in a way. And not just her, but you know her companions as well face you know all that they've become and it also goes deep into the mythology as well which, which I love so yeah <laughs> well we are so grateful that you did not end it with one story but I love it I love I mean I know there you know there are series that go on and trilogies but there's something kind of lovely about a duology and it kind of made me think also you know with the you know the sun and the moon and the yin and the yang like having <laughs> having the two and it just felt it just felt very very perfect and very complete speaking of you know mythology so these re- retellings and reimaginings around sort of mythology folklore you know they're really having having a moment I think we've always sort of looked at these folklores and and looked at these stories and you know to sort of shape obviously narratives um you know I, like we talked about there are so many variations within these stories and then the modern takes that we're seeing now. And I have a lot of ideas around why we love to go back to these sort of, you know, origin stories in a way, but I'd love to get your take um, and to ask what are some of your favorite tales other than the moon goddess? I've been so, it's been very exciting seeing, you know, all the different like stories, um, the different retellings. I mean, I love Greek mythology. I also love seeing like um, mythology from other cultures, you know, Indian, you know, Korean, you know, Chinese, they have been, there have been quite a few in recent years. Um, I think that partly, uh, partly the reason why this might be because there is a thread of similarity to the stories. Um, I think they mean something to us, you know, uh, they're part of our heritage, something that we grew up listening. And so they are, you know, important to us in that way. We have that association with them and they're rooted in our culture as well. And because of all that, I think they feel a little bit more real, <laughs> even though they are fantastical and, you know, in, magical realms and they're not real but somehow I think because they feel so familiar they do feel a little bit more real and there's also this timeless quality in a way as well and I think this is also what helps it like um, resonate or connect with with a lot of people right having said all that I do think also there is a lot of room for imagination uh, to grow in these stories um, because 
there is a lot of space to take up with with because the mythologies often don't have you know very well a lot of mythologies don't really have very set dates for example or set events right it's a story that is passed down that is told verbally and so you know it changes over time as well so there are a lot of different interpretations that could be taken um, to give the story a different you know voice or perspective or sometimes you know it could be used to focus on um, a lesser known character or or um, or in this case one that is you know made up <laughs> so <laughs> So speaking of uh, magical realms, I had, you know, read in your bio something that was very sweet, how you talked about sort of your inspiration for for stories and, and how your dad had given you, you know, books and, you know, you, that your favorite thing was to get lost in, in these sort of magical realms. So I have to ask, if you could be lost in any magical realm, what would it be? And oh. why? <laughs> They're all very dangerous. <laughs> I know. That is true. And, you know, there are lots of things. There are lots of things to consider. Um, I always liked stories with, you know, a fairy tale element. I mean, when when I was young, I would read all all of them. Right, there's your Cinderella, your Sleeping Beauty, and and all those. Um, I love those stories where um, you could imagine, you know, forests, enchanted forests, and um, you know, like wonderful castles and everything as well. And I also like the fact that you know beneath this layer, there was also something else, you know, there was, you know, sometimes a monster in the forest, or someone you thought is a monster that is not a monster, or, you know, in, in, in the in the palace or the castle, it could be like um, some danger, hidden danger as well. So I like stories with different layers. I like worlds with different elements as well. Um, I do like um, underwater worlds as well. I find them really, really fascinating. <laughs> yes, because I, I mean, um, you don't, you can just imagine so many things about it, right? And you can just imagine, you know, the different elements there and, and something that we are not used to as well. And you, and I just think it would be something very, very beautiful once we get over the mechanics of how we would breathe and everything there. So <laughs> mechanics aside, I, again, this is, this, is, this is magical realms. Yeah, fantastical. Yeah. Um, no, that is, you know, if you think about, I think that it's, you know, a place where your 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 imagination can play. So I think maybe almost the the, the less you know about it. So like you said, an underwater where, you know, there's, I mean, just in general, there's so much in the depths of the ocean that we have no idea. I mean, they're still discovering, yes. discovering new species, you know, all the time. It's crazy. New species, new magic, you know, new treasure or, or anything like that. And I think I'm also drawn to things that are set in nature. Um, I do like to spend a lot of time outdoors and everything. So I do like mountains and forests and, you know, just imagining how those could be interpreted in a different way from, from those that we see, right? So... <laughs> wonderful wonderful so okay now we've wrapped up the series for now um so looking back what was your favorite part of this writing experience I have there are a couple of parts I really liked I liked thinking about the world and bringing it to life in different ways and I like to do that in a way that I felt that I was I was there and describing it as in you know from from the perspective of being there not being a character but just imagining the world itself right I loved being able to bring in parts of, you know, my culture, elements of Chinese fantasy that fascinated me in my youth. I mean, I used to watch all those, um, the, all those fantasy shows when I was young, and they would be, and there would be so much beauty in them. There would be the most wonderful music. They would have these long flowing robes. Um, there'll be very good food. <laughs> a must, a must. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, the scenery and landscapes were all like stunning as well that, that you could imagine. There's like mountains and bridges and, you know, flowering forests and everything. And so I, I love being able to weave in those elements and um, bring in 
a different take on them as well, like to show a different layer to them as well. I also love writing, um, bringing the characters to life, uh, imagining them and um, how, how what their journey would be like and how they might grow from, you know, the setbacks or challenges that they face and how it would impact them. And, you know, because I, I believe that every action or every um, would have repercussions. And I think that they would change, especially from those that are, you know, more more traumatic or, or larger ones, right? So, and I would like, I, I really enjoyed thinking about how this would impact not just them, but you know, how their relationships with other people as well. Those are the elements that I, I really did enjoy. Oh, wonderful. So speaking of characters, and I yeah, I know this is a loaded question because you, it's like, it's like, you know, asking to pick a favorite child, but do you, <laughs> do you have, I'll phrase it, I'll phrase it, I'll phrase it differently. So I was going to say, do you have, um, did you have a favorite character to write? Um, but if you can't, because you can't possibly choose, <laughs> was, there, was there a character that you were most connected to? Well, I do have a favorite character. <laughs> it's the title of the book. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. I guess that's a... <laughs> I, I do. I mean, I do. I do love all the characters, but um, I would say that I love writing singing. And not just because she's very good with the bow and magic and all that stuff, <laughs> but I think because she's very strong inside and um, she goes through a lot in the story, right? She goes through a lot of challenges and above all, I think she is resilient because she's not always right. She makes mistakes, you know, things don't go all swimmingly for her, right? But all the hurt and failure doesn't destroy her. Of course, of course, she gets upset and everything, right? But I think that she's able to you know, internalize it in a way and and grow from it. And that that was something that I really loved about her. She's also someone who who who's very passionate, who feels very deeply, and she's been described as being full of heart, which I which I really do agree. And she's not she's not perfect either. You know, she gets she's jealous, she's quick tempered. Um, as I said, she does make wrong decisions sometimes, <laughs> and she can be reckless. Um, and I also like the fact that while she has a sense of honor I think it's not really a strict code she's not afraid to like bend the rules to get um basically to to win or to do what she needs to get done and above all I would say that she has a lot of hope in her and and because of that I think it really helps her to become a survivor as well I will say you know I did I that was something that that did sort of resonate with me that that resilience and that just also self you know the interpretation of herself of herself that so often you know, I think that, and, and something we can, maybe that's, you know, another reason I think so many people connected to this book and this, and, and the story, because so often it can be very easy to, you know, when, especially, you know, when things are falling around, falling, you know, all around you and, and, but she's able to sort of understand that, but then know what she has to do in a way, you know, and then that, that resilience that, that she's not going to let this tragedy in her, you know, leaving, having to leave, you know, sorry, spoilers, but it's the first book. We should all have read it. Um, having to, having to leave, you know, leaving the mother. And, Might be in the description as well. Yes, right. Um, like I, can't, I can't not say what happens. Um, but she picks herself up in, in a way that is, you know, is inspiring. And it's not that she just has this, you know, overwhelming self-confidence. She doesn't. Like, you know, to your point, she she does have faults and she, you know, whether it be her quick temper, but I, you know, that I actually personally loved. I loved the dialogue. I loved her, her whips. I felt myself laughing out loud uh, many times. 
Um, but she was uh, kind of inspiring in that way that I think she's self-aware, um, but at the same time knows knows what she that she needs to move forward, um, and you know has that sort of that clear vision in a way. I think sometimes she doesn't know though. I think you know what I mean. Like in in the beginning, I think let's say if something bad happens, I think sometimes she just doesn't have the answer, and I think that's a lot of us. Sometimes we just don't have the answer right away. <laughs> What I like basically is that um, she is able to think things through or mm-hmm. try different ways and see whether it works or not, or, or just, you know, kind of sometimes you just muddle through it, like like a lot of us do as well, except yeah. stakes are a lot higher. <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, my fit might have been like, uh, and again, this is not, should not be a spoiler because it happens early on, but if when she's making the tea um, and it just goes completely oh. wrong. Um, <laughs> Oh no, I'll try to think worst tea possible. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask if you had any personal experience because I feel like I did um, when I was reading that. Like, oh yeah, I've I've had that. And just, you know, but it's just like, oh well, like you said, like she just, like, I'm like, you just gotta, it's gonna, it's gonna happen. She's wonderful. And thank you for, for gifting her, <laughs> gifting her to us. Um, You're so very the, kind. Yeah. <laughs> so, we talk about character, uh, you know, so. You, you've t- you've given us you've given us your your favorite but then um I mean there are some just beautiful again with your with your world building and um and also just just how you know your character development and as as much as these novels are just are beautiful to read in terms of you know again the the atmosphere and creating that world but they're also very character driven um and so with all of that what was was there a scene that was particularly difficult to work through or a scene or, you know, a scene that you really love to write something that came together, you know, just sort of perfectly. There are quite a few. I probably won't name any of the characters and just describe. <laughs> so um, I basically like um, in Dora the Moon Goddess, there's a scene that I really like. It's in a peach blossom forest. And mm-hmm. um basically like all the trees are flowering and you know they don't have leaves in it and basically like it's just pink petals or peach petals everywhere and it, it, it's like based on a place that I visited before and I thought it was absolutely beautiful it's also very classic Chinese fantasy in a way sometimes you see this this scene and you'll see the falling flower petals and um what I really liked as well was to to include like a hint of flirtation and um and a little bit of you know start fighting in archery as well because why not (laughs) (laughs) all of it together but you know I I felt that was a very fun scene to write and also it's I guess I shouldn't say much more here but I was just thinking about the characters getting to know each other better in Mm -hmm. uh, in moments like these you know moments that are not really about fighting the monster or anything but quieter moments when when they can speak and when they can just be and there's also a scene later on there's one with um water lanterns And and I find that being very um, very emotional and very um, very meaningful on many levels. So as for Heart of the Sun Warrior, we're going to get even more vague now. Okay, <laughs> I think that's there, okay. A Starlit Night that I love because it is to me very fairy tale like and very romantic. There is a certain reunion scene which had a lot of fun writing. <laughs> you heard it here first, Will. <laughs> I mean, and um, well, in that reunion scene, there is a lot of emotion going on and not all of it is happy. <laughs> so, but but that one was a fun one to write. 
So you were talking about the legend and the folklore behind, you know, that kind of in, in inspired these books and um, the Mid-Autumn mid Festival. Am I saying that? Yeah. So, so what is your favorite? Um, so you're talking a little bit about, you know, having celebrating that festival. Can you tell us what your favorite thing, what your favorite part of, of the festival is? What your favorite part of the celebration is? What do you enjoy well, the most? The things that so, I remember most, movie? because it's, you know, the festival that... <laughs> Hey, <laughs> quite true, but we're not going to say that here. <laughs> it's okay, this is a safe space. It's a- <laughs> they make very good mooncakes these days. There are many flavors. <laughs> but it's a festival that I celebrated since my childhood. And um, I think that's something that, that really saved me is that we celebrated it with very close family. So not just all family, like certain festivals, but it was family that was very close to us. So, you know, cousins that I knew really well would come. And um, aside from the wonderful food, of which there was a lot of, <laughs> I really liked um, the time when we would actually light lanterns and um, at night, and we would just, you know, walk around holding the lanterns. And I think one actually was set on fire once. <laughs> someone, someone had a traditional lantern. I mean, um, I think these days, some, a lot of them are battery operated, but my, my cousin had a traditional lantern, and that was made out of like glass paper with a candle in it. And when it's a windy night, yeah, that, that can be quite dangerous. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> now and now you remember you're, now you think to yourself, oh, this is why we use battery operated. <laughs> but I actually do like, you know, the whole like well, I wasn't holding the flaming lantern, to be fair. But you know, it did it did look very nice before everything happened. These books now, you know, they we've we've gone over the mythology and that that inspiration and Obviously, it's lovely to write fantasy because you can include, you can, you know, change things and add these sort of wonderful elements and get lost in these worlds. Um, and we have so enjoyed reading them. So I have to ask, what is next for you? Are you are you looking at another another myth, another legend, another folklore, whatever you want to uh, call it, to sort of to sort of reimagine? Is there something that you sort of have on your mind? or some other project um, that has been sort of tinkering around? There, um, there are, I, I am working on something right now. Bear in mind that all this is still very nebulous and, like, and subject to change, uh, but um, I'm spending most of my time right now working on what is very creatively titled, um, Untitled Book 3 on Goodreads. <laughs> yes, there will, there will be a title hopefully sometime soon in the future. So this one is set in the same world as the Celestial Kingdom duology, except it will span um, both the mortal and immortal realms. It will be featuring different main characters, um, and they'll be quite different in situation and, and personality as well. We might have a couple of guest appearances if they make the final version. <laughs> it's still, it's still being written. <laughs> we'll see the, the word count. <laughs> so... I mean, the way I'm thinking about it, there is um, there's a lot of action. In some ways, it might be more romantic. Um, there will there'll be angst and tension, but it also, in other ways, it will be a little bit lighter than than Dawn of the Moon Goddess and Heart of the Sun Warrior. So there is that is book three. There is also um, another project that I'm not meant to, but I guess I will share more about this later that, that I'm working on. And I actually spent the last couple of weeks on it. And it was really fun. I don't think I could say much more on this one, so I'm just going to go to the next book. <laughs> to be safe. The one that is called <laughs> Untitled Book Four. 
I'm very Love. sorry for all of this, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, the funny thing is, I do have a title for that one, but my editors and I need that <laughs> before before it goes any further. And that one is inspired by the Chinese legend of Lady Whitesnake, and it's um I I don't know if you're familiar with it. It's um, yeah. about an ancient snake spirit that takes the mortal form after cultivating her powers for like many many centuries, and um, she falls in love with a mortal. So. Who doesn't know she's a snake thinks that you know she's just mortal. So that that gives that basically gives rise to a lot of complications, and um, there is also a lot of danger in the story as well. So I'm I'm thinking of a very it's going to be set in a different totally a different world, and um, there it will be there'll be a lot of different elements as well uh, compared to the original mythology. I'm very excited about it and slightly intimidated because this is a legend which is, you know, also much loved and, um, you know, one that I've also grown up hearing about. So I can't, I can't wait to share more about that one. That is so exciting. Thank you for sharing <laughs> Untitled before. <laughs> very easy to remember though, right? <laughs> yeah, it's very easy to remember. Um, so speaking of, of titles, because, you know, you're obviously saying that you're, um, you know, still kind of working those out. What comes first? Do you write, are you someone who writes the story and then the title sort of comes from that? Or do you, does the title sort of spring forth and then everything kind of flows after? Funny thing is for Dora the Moon Goddess, it was like literally the first thing. That and the first line, I can't even remember which came first, but that just sprang into my mind. And I just went with that basically because it just felt so right. And then somehow, nope, <laughs> after that, it's just been like, pondering with lists of titles <laughs> going going through it basically right so um i i would say that the first book was different because i had the title first and the others that i'm working on i don't want i i like to just you know write as the inspiration strikes for example if there is a particular theme that i'm very excited to write and it's out of sequence i will write it if you know i feel very strongly about it so that's and um sometimes for certain books i think it might be helpful to have the entire story and then then you can think about the title afterwards as well. So <laughs> like Heart of the Sun Warrior, for example, was it took a little bit of time. Like the story was written. I did have I do have working titles. Sometimes there's a page of ten working titles. <laughs> so not just untitled book three. <laughs> so the whole family is untitled book three. But you know, like Heart of the Sun Warrior, I had like this 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 list of working titles. It was like slash, slash, slash. <laughs> Like and as then, you're writing, you're like, this is nope. Like this makes the, this gets cut. Nope. No, it's like, oh, this is good too. <laughs> I'll just figure this out later. <laughs> I suppose that's what editors are for. Like that's <laughs> that's the glory of you know just writing and then drafting and then just brainstorming and then having someone else <laughs> and and help you kind of read. It. <laughs> so you wrote for us. Um, we have we have an exclusive edition for Heart of the Sun Warrior, um, which is just I can't wait to see it. <laughs> I love it. I'm so excited. Yeah. Um, yeah. And one of the things that um, we have added to our exclusive is um, a story, an additional story that you wrote for us. Um, and uh, on the on um, the the uh, our mortal archer, so uh, Ho Yi. I'm I hope I'm saying that right. Can you tell us a little bit about um, about that story and, and revisiting that character, revisiting sort of, you know, obviously we talk about, you know, you talk about it's it's part of the, the legend of the moon goddess, but sort of how you were able to separate that out and, and bring that, be, you know, bringing that story um, to the series. 
So um, the reason why I, I wrote this story basically because I was thinking about the original legend. Um, Dora the Moon Goddess is inspired by the legend of China. And, uh, but it's not, you know, basically, it does take the story in a different direction. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to write something that was also holds a little bit more strongly to the original legend. So there, there are different elements of that. And, and this story is basically one of them. I, I do really like the story. And I, and I really wanted to imagine set in this world with these characters, you know, how it, how the original legend might have played out in a way. So this was, this is actually the idea that conceived the whole story. <laughs> I love it. It is. And it kind of, it's, you know, how we were obviously talking about earlier about um, just all the variations within, you know, within, you know, and uh, I guess variations is one way to say it or motivations of, um, you know, of the characters. Um, So I loved when, you know, when, you know, they, they said that you were going to write the story for us, for our exclusive. It was, it was like, so now, you know, it was perfect because it, it just it added that additional layer of you know motivation in 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 for these characters and to understand all the different parts of the legend in this in your world that you, the, the world that sort of you've created this this reimagining if you will um, and it I must have been intimidating to take him on but <laughs> I think yeah. it's too much from his perspective I will say that, I mean I I do like writing characters um, both heroes and villains. But um, not really, but, you know, with, with shades of gray to them, as in, you know, as to make them real people. Because, you know, even though whether they're heroes or villains, they, I think they still feel all the same things, maybe different degrees. They still, they still are afraid. You know, I'm sure they all have selfish motivations in a way, or they have something that they were fighting for. But, you know, things just took them down a different way. So it was, it was very fascinating for me to just think about it from this perspective. I'm so glad you liked the idea, too. <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. Yeah. And that's interesting that you say about, because um, I, I do think they are, I mean, or I, I have heard people say, you know, they prefer or they, they enjoy writing villains or they enjoy, you know, that sort of writing that hero or the, in that hero's journey. Um, but it is, I think when I, when I talk to people who, who really, you know, love the villains or really love writing villains, I do often hear that, that I think the reason people love writing villains is because there is gray. You know, it's nobody is sort of one one dimensional, you know, and that there's always yeah, absolutely. and there are motivations behind, you know, behind actions and, and someone is is, you know, never all good or um, all bad. Do you so do you have do you prefer or is it, it you know, <laughs> writing those villains um, or, you know, in, I guess in in a way being able to sort of interpret their motivations? I like writing writing both, and as because as you said, you know, no one is either wholly good or wholly bad, and uh, you know, I like thinking about why they were a certain way. Maybe I guess with villains, there is a lot more scope to the story because you know sometimes it might be from something that happened in their past or just you know how how their nature works, and in some ways, it can be something that we we, we relate to more than straight like you know honor or, or valor, right? But I also like thinking about what makes a hero do these things because I think everyone does feel afraid or nervous and I think it would be I think it would be impossible for anyone just to go out and charge into battle on the front line and uh, without without feeling these things but maybe their motivation or what drives them is just different or you know it has different strengths in certain ways right so I I, I actually do enjoy writing both <laughs> I love it so obviously you've you know you're, you've gained inspiration um, from these from these tales from these from these myths that you sort of grew up with. 
but I, I always love to ask um, what your current motivations, who's currently inspiring you, um, and, and you know, what are you reading now? Who are the who are the stories, or what are the stories that you're loving now? Um, authors and and books that are sort of keeping you going in 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 2022. <laughs> yeah, it's been quite a year. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been reading a lot of art lately, um, which which has been wonderful. I, yes. I read something that I, I loved recently. It was called The Last Field of Flower Bride by Roshani Chochi. I thought it was. <laughs> Have you read no, it? No, I am. I am currently no spoilers. I'm. I'm halfway through right now, and just. Yeah, no, I really liked it. I thought. <laughs> I, I thought it was very, very haunting. I love the characters and the way it was written as well. Um, I read. I read quite widely, as in I read both adult and young adult as well. I also read *A Ballad of Never After* by Stephanie Garber recently, and I mean, it's just like you know, for all fairy tale lovers, it, it it to me it was like very wonderful escapism. I was actually in a reading slump at a point in time, and it really helped me get out of it. I thought it was very lovely. I also read recently. I've been on quite a reading spell. That's <laughs> I read *Barrel*. So <laughs> I mean, for for here, you know, it's. It's um getting a little bit the weather's getting a little bit chilly and I it's that cozy, cozy Things season. It makes a difference. <laughs> you want to like, you know, wearable blankets, books, tea, bubble tea, uh coffee, choice. Again, talking about that sort of escapism, do you tend to stay in the fantasy lane? Like do is that is that where you influence your reading habits or do you jump around? I I do tend to stay in fantasy land. Um, I've always loved reading fantasy, you know, so or I always love reading fairy tales as well. So I do tend to stay in there. Um, sometimes I'll branch over into romance, but not not recently. I'm just trying to think of one right now, but not not recently. <laughs> I read a Barrow of Winter as well by H.M. Long. It's um it's a very wintry fantasy with, with you know battles and monsters and stuff, and with a demigod protagonist who's dealing with family issues. And I thought it was, it was very, very fun. Fantasy tends to be my thing. <laughs> I, I, it's, it's funny. It's like demigods. And I think to myself, like in your books, like these are mortals and mortals every, you know, there's <laughs> mortals I mean, have so many problems. These, <laughs> these gods. I, will, <laughs> I know they behave as badly as, you know, well, you know, us. <laughs> that is true. Touche. Um, <laughs> they do. They do. Um, Sulin. Thank you so much for having for for having this chat with me for coming and chatting. Um, it's really been wonderful. Daughter of the Moon Goddess for those who are who are watching along in this gorgeous cover and Heart of the Sun. <laughs> um, I love how they look together. <laughs> I, I get it. That's what I said. Yeah. It's a shame to find to put them spined in in your bookshelf. Um, so these these epic novels of the uh, Celestial Kingdoms duology they're out now. Untitled book three. Untitled book four. Oh no! <laughs> I'm going to regret those. <laughs> um, those are going to be coming soon. And thank you so much for giving us a little sneak peek um, into what we can expect. I I know that I am going to be uh, patiently waiting, maybe not so patiently waiting <laughs> for for them to arrive. Um, this has been wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I mean, it was it was wonderful to speak with you and, and I had a really great time. Thank you. <laughs> Probably said some things I shouldn't have, but... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> 
Hello readers, it's time for another TBR Top Off. We're going to recommend a couple of great books to pick up when you stop in for your copy of Heart of the Sun Warrior. I'm Mark, I'm coming to you from my Barnes & Noble in Cincinnati. And I'm Madison, coming to you from my Barnes & Noble in Indianapolis. We've got two fantastic books to recommend today. Madison, I'm going to jump right in. Yeah, go ahead. So I chose a book that I have been thrusting into the hands of customers for quite a while now. And that is Beneath the Moon by Yoshi Yoshitani. This is a gorgeous book. It's essentially a collection of 70 plus descriptions of mythological characters from folklore around the world. So each story is accompanied by a beautiful illustration by the author. The characters and fables range from very familiar to not familiar at all. You've got Japan, you've got Italy, Africa, Mexico, and some of the usual fare, like you've got a Rapunzel uh, page, but then you also have these characters who I've never even heard of, but have fantastic stories. I just really loved learning about new facets of storytelling and culture. And I love this book because you can open to any page, get a little quick nugget of delicious mythology and then move on with your day. Or you can just do like I really did and start um, start to finish and pour over it completely and then go back and like pop around to different pages. But either way, this is an excellent gift for curious readers. Um, it looks wonderful on a bookshelf. It looks even better on a coffee table. So please check out Beneath the Moon by Yoshi Yoshitani. Madison, what do you have for us? So my pick, I've read it and it's recommended by actually one of my managers, Alicia. She is an avid fan of Sulin Tan, and she's also an avid fan of this book as well. And that is The Girl Who Fell Beneath the Sea by Axie O. So this is a kind of a Korean mythology retelling that we have here. Um, And it centers around Mina um, and Mina's people who believe that the sea god is cursing them and... They are doing all they can to kind of alleviate that curse. So what they do is they, each year, they sacrifice a girl to the sea um, in hopes that she will become the sea god's bride. And one of them will be the legendary true bride and the curse will end. So what happens is that Mina's brother's girlfriend, essentially, she has chosen, they believe she is the legendary true bride. But what happens is Mina kind of sacrifices herself in her place. Um, And then she is taken to a spirit realm. So she finds herself in this spirit realm. Very like Studio Ghibli-esque imagery is what I imagined when I read it. Kind of like that type of film as I was reading. And she meets this mysterious stranger, gets herself in a ragtag team of demons, gods, and spirits. And then they go on a quest of sorts to awaken the sea god. It is such a wonderful story. I loved it. Again, if you're like a fan of like those Studio Ghibli films, a fan of retellings, I think the imagery of this book is magnificent. Oh knows what she's doing. That was The Girl Who Fell Beneath the Sea by Axio. Ah, such a good pick. Such a good pick, as always. Well, that is all we have for today. Thanks so much for tuning in to Port Over. And please make sure to give us a rating and subscribe so you never miss an episode. You can also follow us at Barnes & Noble. I'm Mark. You can follow my home store at BN Westchester. And I'm Madison. You can follow my home store at BN River Crossing. 
Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Happy reading. Bye. Thank you for listening. Poured Over is a Barnes & Noble production. To help other readers find us, please rate and review the show wherever you listen to podcasts.